Hey everybody, welcome back to another Crimson Flow Biblecast Sunday School Teaching Episode. I know I've never really called it a Sunday School in this podcast, but nah, why not? You know, because that's what it is. And that's the way I want you to feel. Always remember that. I want you to feel like you're in Sunday School. I don't really necessarily want you to feel like you're in a church sermon because church sermons, as good as they are, sometimes don't go as in-depth in one area as they need to. And I'm not questioning any preacher because we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to question preachers unless we can prove it by the Word of God, what they say. But even then, it's it's edgy because we're supposed to trust the preachers and pastors to preach the Word of God and then what we're supposed to trust that what they say come to, comes directly from God. So in a way, you could say that questioning their preaching questions God. So that's a very, very touchy subject, and I don't like getting into it. But this is our Sunday uh, episode, and for many of you know, I am doing Wednesday night episodes now. In uh, We're doing the Book of Acts in... On Wednesdays, but we're going to remain until we finish it. I think we've got about seven more chapters in the book of John on our Sunday podcast. So, uh, I guess right before we get into this, I almost forgot to uh, start with a prayer. Um, Just real quick thing, last week I did not get to record like I wanted to. I had set a day aside. I was going to record, and my little boy got sick, and I had a bunch of stuff to do the weekend before, so I just, I never got around to it, in other words, and I, and I do apologize for those of you, or those of you that uh, come back weekly to listen to this, and I feel like I've let you down, I feel like I've let God down in a way, because some of that, you know, could have been just pure, um, what's that word? Procrastination on my part. And I procrastinated too late, and then I couldn't get it done. So, I pray for myself that that changes, and I get more motivation, and I get more willpower to get up and get everything done when it needs to be done, not just here in a minute, here in a minute, here in a minute, and... and I need to quit doing that. It's a horrible habit of mine. Really bad, really bad. So let's uh, let's go ahead and get a, a prayer on, and um, we'll get straight into the lesson of chapter 13. Father, we come before you today, and thank you for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. Lord, we ask that you bring us in this spirit, the spirit of yours, the Holy Spirit, Bring us into it so that we can learn the truth from your word. Lord, I ask that you fill me with the Spirit as I teach this, so that I know that what I'm saying is from you and not from me. Lord, I ask for you to forgive us where we go against you or your word. Lord, I ask that uh, that we yield ourselves to you so that we we may do your work your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alrighty, let's go ahead and get on into here. And if, you know, if it sounds like I'm trying to whisper, just always remember that when I record these, I'm in my basement and I don't have a lot of soundproofing up. So I don't want to wake the kids up or I don't want to wake my wife up or anything like that. So I do kind of, I talk lower and then I try to amplify it and then clean it up after I amplify it and sometimes it don't work sometimes it does and I apologize for any like clicks or anything like that that you that I might leave in there I'm I'm new to this just like the next guy and I'm learning I'm learning it's getting easier um but we'll get on into this and in verse 1 of chapter 13 in the book of John now remember before I say this when when I say John, it's the one right after Luke, not the not the John one, two, and three in the end, 
course, I don't think any of those makes it to a chapter 13, so this one should be pretty easy to find. It's the only book of John that actually goes to 13. Um, because th those are, I think, like, uh, I, I forget the word. My, my brain's forgetful today. Uh, let's see, it's, I guess, post-rapture, post, like he's getting visions from God about the end. S stuff like that, like, um, Revelations. Yeah, kind of style. Okay, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas or Judas Iscariot, which I think I made a comment the last Sunday about how it was weird that he was one of the only people, I think there might have been one more, but I'm not for certain, one of the only people that has a last name, other than Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously that one, but I'm pretty sure he's the only person that has ever said that was his last name. And then it said, uh, The devil having now put into the heart of Judas... Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So, the see, this just goes back to say, because I, I'm not sure if it's beforehand or right now, he's getting ready to show that Judas is the one that's going to betray, betray him. But the, the devil already put in, the, in his heart, he knew, God knew, that the devil was going to do that. So, see, Jesus knows this. And Jesus, I think, is getting ready to reveal it, or already has. Either way, let's let's keep on going. And supper being ended. Oh, wait, never. <laughs> I've already read that one. Sorry. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a, ba a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So he took the towel that was around him, wiped their feet after he was done washing them. Then, see, I think, you know, just stopping right here for a second, I think this is kind of powerful. Even though that... Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He, he is commander in chief of all. He's the king of all kings. He's also he's above us. But at the same time, this this chapter here, I feel like he's also not too good to be below us. Uh like kind of like a servant. But it, it but to me it's like a a double like a divided double lane highway. Like, we follow him, it's like he serves us. You see what I'm saying? Like, he's still in charge. He's still master of the highway. But the more we give him, the more he blesses us with. You see what I'm saying? Like, the more we sin on one side of the highway, the more it comes back to us on the other. But he's still in control. So it's it's... I don't want to say that he's our servant, because he's not. But the Bible clearly states in other parts, it says, Ask and ye shall receive. But a lot of times, we need to stop and think about that. It's like, when you ask for something, especially when you ask for it from God, he's going to have to know three things. Are you willing to work for it? Or use it to work for him. Will it benefit his glory? Because remember, we serve a jealous God. He doesn't like to give up. He doesn't like for you to give up your time with him to anything else. If that makes sense. Like, he, he would rather you be spending time with him, reading the Bible, 
more than you do anything else because if you look at it like this. If you're spending time on your cell phone, on your video games, and you're doing that so much that when it comes time to go to church or read the Bible, and you think, well, I'll just miss this one Sunday. I've stayed up too late the last night playing video games. I'll just miss this one Sunday. Then that can can become a snowball effect. Well, that one Sunday turns into two Sundays. That two Sundays turns into three. And then before you know it, you've got this video game or this cell phone or this whatever it is. That has become God in your life because you can't give it up. And that's the way the devil likes to attack us. He likes to attack us in the ways that he know he can get us down. And it is our weaknesses because it's usually with the things that we desire most. And we also um, really enjoy. Like I really enjoy playing video games. And yes, what I just said was meant for me too. I know it. Because I am guilty. In the past, I have missed church Sundays because I stayed up way too late playing video games. And I just could not make it up in time. That is that is something I deal with on a daily basis. I mean, not daily. But it's just something that to prove that I'm just as human reading this and teaching it to you and learning stuff as we go. As you are as the listener. Because one thing I cannot stand. Is when a preacher acts like they're on a pedestal. Other than the one they preach from. Like. It's actually harder. To be a preacher. Because if you go by the word of God. The preachers are more accountable. For for stuff. Than a normal person. These people. That have that are in control of the church, they're partially responsible for their congregation. If they say one thing out of line that is not with the truth, they they could be judged for it, you know? I mean, they will be judged unless they repent. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. You repent and you shall be saved. And so... You know, I, I don't consider myself a preacher. I mean, if that's what God wants me to do, then one day, yes, He will make sure I do it. God's will will always be done, regardless whether you want it to or not. And I don't want to—I don't want to sound mean or very strict when I say this. I'm just—I'm just trying to say that if God has a plan for your life, it's going to happen. Now, there's a difference. Between his plan and and a plan that with stuff that you've asked for, he has a calling for you that coincides with what you desire. But always remember, if you refuse that calling, he he'll give it to somebody else, and they'll get the glory from God that you that you should have gotten. But that plan for your life. Is still there, and it included you refusing that. Because God knows everything, guys. He knows everything. He is 10,000 steps ahead of us. He knew that we would drink that Coke 15 years before we did. You know? He knew that we was going to run a red light the day we were born. We would run that red light 30 years later. He knew that. So, I'm way off track here. <laughs> I do apologize. And I just I just felt like this is some stuff that I needed to get off uh, off my chest, if that makes any sense. Uh, it's just, I feel like what I'm saying is important to somebody. Somebody needs to hear it. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit teaches what needs to be taught at the moment we need to hear it. So, some of that stuff I know is toward me. 
some of it, I pray that it goes out to somebody that needs to hear it. That's the main thing. That we hear what we need to hear from the Word of God. That's what's important. Okay. Um, but yeah, back to this whole thing. It just It just shows that Jesus, even though he was king of kings, he had enough respect for the people that followed him and enough love for the people that followed him that he even washed their feet and then dried them off with the, the towel that he had wrapped around him. Then said, verse 6, it says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered to him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. See, I think here, it also really kind of dumbs down that he only does this stuff for his followers. And just a random person, he doesn't do it for. Because the Bible says, Call on the name of Jesus. And you shall be saved. Once you call on his name, you've made that move to seek him out. Seek him out at least once, and he'll come to you. He'll find you. Then it's up to you to keep seeking. If if you turn your head after that, he may not come back. That's why we preach all the time about today could be too late. Or after today could be too late. And that if you feel God tugging on you, saying do this, do it. Don't just wait. Because there may never be another chance. Because like I said, you seek him once and he'll find you. But don't turn him away again. Because he may come back the next time you ask. He may not. He may tug at your heart again. He may not. And then... Once he goes for good, he probably won't be back. Which is a sad story for a lot of people. You know, they've turned him down too many times. Made fun of him, basically spat on him. In a spiritual sense. And the sad part is, he still forgives them. But they don't know it. Because they haven't tried seeking him again. Okay. So basically, right here it's just saying that if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me or part with me, meaning you're not really my follower. So he's, he's, he's taking care of his servants. Back then, your feet was was what took you everywhere. They didn't have cars. They didn't have... They might have had chariots, like wagons. I know they had wagons, but they might have had chariots and some modified pioneer wagon, but it would be more of a, a biblical age style. Basically, wagons with donkeys. They had a lot of donkeys, camels back then. But um, my point is, your feet took you wherever you went. Taking care of your feet was at the highest regard. Like, they put it as a higher regard as putting on deodorant. Well, they didn't have deodorant back then, but, you know, washing your armpits or whatever. Washing the feet and taking care of them was the most important thing they ever done. Because without them, they couldn't go anywhere. It, it would be like having a flat tire on the only car you own. Okay, so he says, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus, Jesus saith to him, getting ahead of myself, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. I'm just going to be the first one to tell you that really has a... Hard time making sense in my brain. Um, Lord help me on this one. Okay, let's just go ahead and read the next verse. Because maybe if we get context, we can kind of figure this out. Sometimes in the Bible, 
you know, you'll read a verse and it just makes no sense. You can just read the next couple or go back and read a couple before that and you'll you'll understand it. But verse 11 says, For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, that last part he's saying, Ye are not, ye are, ye are clean. He's saying Simon Peter's clean, but not all, because he knew that Judas would betray him. And then he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. I think it's just basically saying the difference between the spiritual cleansing and the flesh cleansing. I think he's saying that Judas may be clean on the outside, but on the inside, he's what old people say is dirty, rotten sinner. You know? So there we go. Let's keep on going. So after he washed, he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Or know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Basically saying, back to my theory, and it's probably a more proven theory, that all rules that Jesus gave us follow under two simple principles. Love God and love your neighbor. You can't do one without the other. So he's basically telling them, like, you see me do this. I am your master. I am your king, your Lord and Savior. And if I'm willing to get down on my hands and knees and wash your feet, then ye can wash one another's feet and do stuff for each other. You can help one another out. And that goes under the love your brother. Which in turn, you love God by loving your brother. Does it make sense? I think so. And I know it's hard. There are some people that are very, very hard to do stuff for. But the Bible commands us. It also commands us to forgive. No matter what that person has done, you have to forgive. Because it's not our place to call them out and judge them. Because there's only one judge. And we all know that's going to be in the end. So, uh, verse 15 says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of, all, of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. He's basically kind of talking about Judas here. Now I tell you before it come that when it came to pass, when it when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. They didn't... I don't think in the those days that they had a very vast sense of pronouns and adjectives and stuff for English because I'm finding it's really, really hard for them to write down. Like, it's not hard for me to understand because as I read it, I can just kind of put it together in my mind. But it's hard for them to try to explain in words that He is God on earth. We can say that now because we have developed words that done that. And it's basically what he's saying right here. He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me. So he's going. Jesus goes back up. He sends the Holy Ghost down. Okay, the Holy Spirit, whichever one you feel more comfortable saying. And then... Whomsoever I send receiveth me. So basically, right around in that same aspect, 
the Holy Spirit is a is our connection to God in our flesh, like spirit to spirit, so to speak. And then it says, "He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me." So, on that, being you receive the Holy Spirit and Jesus, like through that one eternal connection, you also receive God at the same time, because they're all the same being in three different forms. And that, and that the whole Godhead, the Trinity, so to speak. To, to me, to believe the, the full Trinity or Trinitarian doctrine, you have to believe that there is actually three people up there in charge that have the same beliefs. And I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that. I believe it is a Godhead three in one. It is God, the Son, which is the, the one that He created in flesh to send down... To earth. Um, to die for us. To be the sacrifice. And then the spirit that is. Basically. God's cell phone. To the earth. It's like he can send all his power. All his. Control. Through the earth. It's like a radio wave. God's radio wave. Let's compare it to that. Not cell phone. Sometimes. Sometimes I question myself. But um, it's like God's radio waves He sends down to Earth, and we can we can, as if we latch onto those radio waves, this stuff that we can do with them. And I don't want to make it sound like we're some kind of big sorcerer or anything like that, because we're not. Because everything has to be approved through God. But just the way it makes you feel, the way it changes you, is amazing. Once you receive it, but I notice. You know, notice I said that um, that God created Jesus as flesh. Think of it this way. God and Jesus are the same person. But it's like he cloned himself to be present on earth. Because God hasn't been present on earth in full body since the Garden of Eden. Because God left. God left and he cursed the land. And being as he cursed the land, he could never walk on it again. Until it is cleansed with fire and brimstone, which is in Revelations. Because God can only be in pure, or purity, in, in untarnished areas. He can present himself through, you know, like um, the story of Moses in the burning bush. Or, you know, he can present himself... But you're never actually seeing God himself until Jesus came along. He created this life form that could be presented on earth. Starting out as a little baby. Growing up to about 31, 32 years old. Becoming the sacrificial lamb. So that everybody who sought Jesus' love, his spirit... Could be saved. So that no longer. Would the sacrifices have to be done. For their sins. For that year. For that week. Or whatever, however often they done it. Everybody could re- receive it. And that's what Jesus done. You know. And I'm a firm believer. That's because God knew how civilizations would grow. Or civilizations I should say. Would grow. And eventually come to a time where not everybody could have an altar you know so that he he knew this would happen so he put himself also also i think he done it for spiritual purposes and how far they had got astray from the actual teachings and how there were very 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 few um people there that still believed the true teachings of moses and abraham which abraham didn't really teach much um, he was he was still pretty important though but it was mainly Moses and that's because Moses was the savior of the Egyptians or not the Egyptians the Jewish children from the Egyptians and their slavery that they were in bondage and 
that's a wild story. But there was a lot of times Moses would actually talk to God, and that's where the Ten Commandments came from. Okay, let's get back into this. And then it says, When Jesus had thus said, and was trouble, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. So they all looked around, like, I don't see anybody here that's going to betray him. We all follow him. Ah, but Jesus knew the snake in the water, or the snake in the woods, whichever we want to call it, or the sheep, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, that's a better analogy. Now there was leaning on Jesus, but Jesus' bosom, which is chest area. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, Simon Peter, therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. Like, he's really wanting to know. But I think it's important, it's important to note that these people have traveled together for the past however many months. So they, they were all like brothers, so to speak. They knew each other. They, like, they knew each other's moods, and they've been traveling for a long time with each other. It, it would be like being in a frat house, the same frat house, you know, a clean frat house, frat house, for two, let's say two or three years, and nothing, or I mean, it could have even been longer. Yeah, it could have even been longer, but being in the same frat house with those same guys, no new new people admitted, no uh, nobody graduating, just the same exact people. You'd get to know each other, wouldn't you? So now they're like, well, who is it? And then it said, He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom... I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Just goes to show that no matter how powerful and how strong the devil is attacking you. He is still a dog on God's leash. Remember that. If you ask for God to take the devil away in God's timing, he will. And you will live and you will have peace and peace more abundantly and you just have life and life more and live more abundantly. But just always remember, no matter how hard it gets and how hard spiritually you're having to fight, the de the devil is just a dog on God's leash. He controls the the man wherever he needs to go, and sometimes, sometimes the devil will attack you under God's command. In a way. God doesn't command. He just allows. Because he will not. He cannot do. The lies. The deceit. And everything. So. He uses the devil a lot of times. To test his followers. And test their faith. Like how much. Can this person be pushed. Before they say. Before they give, you know, give up their beliefs. Because that is the whole story of the book of Job. I mean, if you go back and look at the book of the Job, the guy lost everything. Lost his, lost his wife, lost, lost his kids, about lost his life. But God told the devil, he said, do whatever you want to to him. Just don't kill him. And what happened? He lost his friends, lost his wife, 
lost his kids. They all died. Lost, lost his crops, lost his farm. I mean, and I'm not talking about like losing it to a bank because back then they didn't have those. I mean, they did, but you know, as far as land goes, for the most part. And no, he he lost them. The they they had plagues and they died, so to speak, or they all just fell dead. I don't remember the full story. But you know what happened? When God seen that when Job lost everything, he still praised him. He still praised God. God gave everything back to him. Tenfold. So sometimes God will test our faith. But it's just it's just really important to remember. Never give it up. And you will be rewarded tenfold. And and that's not an exact amount. I'm just saying be so many times so much so many times better if you just hold on to your faith. So yeah, like I said, the devil's on a dog on a dog leash and it's controlled by God. If you could even call it a remote control if you wanted to. Shot collar, so to speak. And then he gave the sop to Judas, and then Satan entered Judas. And, you know, that's when he started to work on him. Satan did. And giving him these thoughts. And then Jesus said, whatever you do, just do it quickly. Then verse 28, it says, Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. Because Jesus knew what he was about to happen. He knew that he was getting ready to be tortured and hung on a cross. Nobody else in the room did. And then it says, For some of them thought, because Judas had the had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and was and it was not. Therefore, while he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Kind of like one of those circle of life type things, but like circle of glory, circle of God's glory type thing, but we have to be involved with. Little children, ye are little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. This is like, saying you can't come yet and now this is something that is kind of controversy will it affect your spirituality and whether or not you get into heaven no but it's just something to think about um some people believe and I'm not downing anybody for believing this I I'm, I will never down you for your beliefs because just remember, focus on what the Holy Spirit tells you and you will be right. Some people believe that when we die, we automatically go to paradise. See, I don't I don't see it that way. And I know that You know, we sense that people's watching over us. But to me, I feel like that is just a request granted by God to to place special guardian angels on us. You know, that that can familiarize with the person that left us. But to me... Because I know when the rapture happens, 
the trumpet's going to blow. And the people that have died are going to rise up from the earth in perfect bodies. They're going to rise up to meet Jesus. Okay? So, I mean, literally, people are just going to start floating out of the ground in perfect bodies. They're not dirty. They're completely clean. And they're going to meet the Creator or and or Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? So, to me, saying that they go to paradise would insinuate that they're already with Jesus. I think it's going to be like a blink of an eye. Like, as soon as we die... To us, anyway. As soon as we die, we wake up with Jesus in the sky. Going to paradise. But like I said, if you believe it another way, then you believe, and you believe that you go to paradise, you know, till the end of time, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna down you for that, but this is just my personal belief. But like I said, it's not gonna affect you spiritually, be just, or like, affect your like which door you get to go through in the end it's not or at least I wouldn't think so because this is the same word being translated different in our in our minds um because we can all agree on the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven and I don't think he would judge us on a belief on something he doesn't talk much about which is the afterlife because most of heaven has still been left a mystery most of eternal life has still been left a mystery because he wants to put it out there that it's going to be more perfect and, and and completely underestimatable or completely unimaginable because if he told us everything there would still be some people out there be like hey, it's not worth it which there is today there is still people still like oh it's not worth it but I think now it's a sense of because we've not given them enough information about it but we can't give it we just have to have faith that it's going to be what he says it is. But I know I'm, I'm off subject again. But like I said, I'm not downing anybody for believing a different way about what the afterlife is going to be like. I, I could be wrong. We all could be wrong. You know. But I, like I said, I believe that in a split second, it's like we close our eyes and open them up and we are in paradise Waiting for the world to be cleansed. Or no, 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 I got that wrong. Waiting to come down to the thousand year reign. Where we are living back on earth for a thousand years. And God is king on earth. There will still be people that will fight his rule. And and that's when it's going to get funny because he's still king. And he's going to show them he's king. And that's when he's going to have that sharp two-edged sword. He's going to... It's basically going, going to be a big battle. And it's going to be more of a spiritual battle. And it's going to be... It's going to be awesome for his followers. Um, you know, honestly, I believe that... That there is a sense... In a way that... The closer that people are to Jesus, the higher up they're going to be in his kingdom during this thousand year reign. But once once that's over and we have the great throne judgment, everyone that makes it through that is equal to him. In a sense. He's still in charge, but just like here when I said earlier about the washing of the feet, you're his equal. 
even though he's still in charge. By then, our minds will be erased of all things ungodly, stuff that can't be in heaven, no sin, no despair, no worry, only happiness, content, peace, love, and that's the main thing, love for all. You won't never get mad at anybody. Because it's not allowed. You won't have that emotion. You will not be physically capable of anger. Just like Jesus. I mean, the guy was spat on. And he didn't make one move in retaliation. The guy was stabbed with a spear. Of course, that was when he was on the cross. Cause he, so he couldn't really move much. But they put the crown of thorns on his head when he was on the ground. He might have screamed a little bit. It hurt. That's And that's another point I have. He might have been God enough that he could have... He, that he knew everything that was going on before it happened. And he was God enough that he could have called legions of angels to stop. To, or to stop it, to take him away and destroy the earth. But he was also human enough to feel that pain. So he could truly be... The sacrificial lamb. The one who is completely beaten and tortured and slain for us. And to put that in your mind, what he went through. Just so that one day we could walk into that kingdom with him. Pure and as wide as he is. And I say that. And I say white. Oh, I'm sorry. And I say white simply because white is a color that absorbs all light. Or not absorbs all light. It is like it repels all light. So that when we look at it, we're seeing all the colors of the prism. You look at something that's black. It's absorbing all light. So nothing's bouncing off of it for us to see. And, and that's just scientific knowledge. Now granted, I believe that we will have the ability to change clothes in heaven. You know. But let's get back to this before I go off on a whole rails... I do a special episode where I talk about what I feel like heaven's going to be like. And, you know, I might do some research and compare it to scriptures about what scripture says. Because, I mean, that is our guideline. There's not much to go by uh, other than the timeline of events leading up to our ultimate eternity. There's not a lot to go on what happens after that, what it looks like. Uh, it, mainly, it just tells us that God's going to prepare a place for us we're going to have a mansions there are there's in my house there are many mansions is what he says i you know being as god is god and he can do anything he wants to i feel like we're going to be in one big humongous Like housing complex. That in a sense, each room that we go into, like say I'll have a room. But it's like a house in itself. You see what I'm saying? Like it's a mini mansion. Or not even a mini mansion. Because he can take a room. And like like you see on Harry Potter. You know, like the the tent... I think I even said this in a past episode. The tent that they had on Harry Potter that was like it looked like a raggedy old, you know, two person tent, maybe if you're lucky, that was going around a like a cowboy campfire. You walk into it and it is literally like a three bedroom house. 
So, I mean, he could do something like that. Like, we have, like, a hotel room, even. Open the hotel room door, and you got a mansion. Included with a backyard. We don't know. Because, one, there's only one specification saying how big heaven's going to be. And that it's going to be a city called New Jerusalem. I cannot find anywhere what's going to happen outside the city. I just know there's going to be walls built up. So, you know, that tells me that it could possibly even be the Lake of Fire. But the city is going to be 1,500 by 1,500 square miles. Roughly half the U.S., like the distance between Myrtle Beach, halfway to California that distance up as well so it's going to be like this big square grid there's going to be four gates north gate east gate west gate and south gate and I think it's going to be guarded by archangels that's what the bible tells us but what happens inside those walls we know there's going to be streets of gold but other than that it doesn't really give us a lot of explanation except it tells us you know, we're not going to remember anything bad because our memories will be wiped. All things, earthly things, will pass away, so we may not even have the same interest in food. We won't. See, you know, I would like to think that there would be food in heaven. Uh, Jesus talks about there being a feast. Or not, uh, well, it was probably what is Jesus, obviously, but um, in a part of the Bible when it was prophesying to this, to one of the apostles. It talks about there will be a feast in heaven. And it's right before, or like it's at the end of the tribulation. So, like maybe even at the beginning of the thousand year reign. So there's this feast that goes on. So I would like to think if, the, if they're talking about a feast, then... Let's just stop there and think that there's got to be food in heaven. But there's no killing. So, in other parts, it says that we'll be able to speak stuff into existence. Like, I want a Dodge Camaro. Dodge Camaro. That's like the worst combination ever that I've ever come up with. I want a 69 Camaro. Like, if we was to remember that, and it wasn't wiped from our memory, we could have one pop in our garage. If we have a garage. You know, I don't think cars would be something we remember, which is good. I mean, when I say completely wiped, it's not like we won't even think about it. Like it won't even be there for us to think about. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't miss it because we wouldn't remember it. But I'd like to think that hey, I want a ribeye steak, just because I like the taste of them. Or you know, maybe he even he even creates some like new heavenly concoctions. Like uh, we might have chickens that taste like cows or taste like beef. You know, he can make his own combinations. And we learn to cook that way. No killing, but what we'll remember is the steak that came from the chicken, if that makes sense. Anyway, let's, we got a few more verses to go, and I need to get through them before I get uh, sidetracked anymore. Okay, I think we... Uh, oh yeah, little children, yet a little while I'm with you, basically saying... I'm only here for a little while, and he call, he's kind of in God mode here, I believe, um, talking to them like he, he, they are the ch his children, which, I mean, we all are. And it says, Yet a little while I'm with you, ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. Like, you can't come with me. So now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, and that ye also love 
Well, that was kind of a... Like, like I've told you before, I don't pre-read these chapters because I want it spot on. I want my reaction, my answers to come directly from the Holy Spirit to the microphone. So the, all this comes at a shock to me. And I've, I just notice it's like he says it twice. But there can't, they can't say it twice. I mean, he can, but there's got to be a reason behind it. So let's try to find it. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So it's like, don't just love each other like you. I have loved you, like God has loved us. But love one another in our actions, I guess, maybe. And then it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love to one, one to another. Like, if you show true compassion, true grace, true gratitude to each other, that is the sign of godliness. If that makes sense to you. Like, that is the one way that's going to show Jesus to somebody. Then somebody preaching the Bible and then sneering and judging. That's the that's the worst thing you can do, is preach the Bible, or that's probably not the worst thing, but you know what I'm saying, like preach the Bible, and then all of a sudden, you know you're mean to the waitress, or you're mean to the waiter. That's that's not right, you know. Show some love. Peace, love, and no war, <laughs> right? And then it says. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Like, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst follow, canst not follow me now. The language back then. But thou shalt follow me afterwards. It's like, I'm coming back. Y'all don't know it yet. And I'll tell you about it later. That's basically what he's, what, what's going to happen they don't know he's coming back. They don't know where he's going. They don't even know he's going to die on earth. You know. And then it says, Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And that's the end of that, but we come to find out later on that Peter, when, when um, I think it's, it's either right before the crucifixion or right after, no, it, well, I'm, I'm getting my stories mixed up, but it's somewhere in there, Peter is asked if he was associated with Jesus. And Peter denies him three times. We find that out later. Probably in the next chapter. Who knows? I haven't read it yet. So, that's it for today. I am completely sorry that I... You know, I mean, this could have been God, but I, I kind of feel like it was my mind wandering into the vast, vast greatness and possibility of what heaven will be like and you know it's just it's one of the biggest desires in my life to be able to go there as it should be everybody but just to actually sit back and think and knowing some scripture behind what it says about it you know one gets very anxious to know what's actually going to be there and like I said before, we won't remember. I'm sure we won't remember anything from earth. Because the Bible says that we will love one another as one another. Like Jesus loved us. And that even even our wives, somebody we spent 
60, 70 years with on earth. Loved unconditionally. Will feel like our brother or sister. You know, they won't. There will be no sexes, which obviously means there's not going to be any intercourse, I don't think. But there also won't be a desire for it. Because in my belief system, that's what the forbidden fruit was. Because if you go back and read, and this is another one of those things that will not, you know, it won't, or at least I hope it won't change your outcome of heaven or hell but it's just something to think about that when Adam and Eve partook in the fruit once she took the fruit and then he took the fruit it the Bible says if I can find it I might actually read it um, the Bible says they realized they were naked and so before then, you know, they walked around each other. You know, everything's hanging out. But they didn't know. You know, they thought that was just normal. They th- because they, they knew that God created them out of love and in his image. So they just thought, well, this is something up in the great holy land. And they never... Um, they never thought about it. And th- this is something a, a pastor pointed out one day that I had never really thought about. The Bible does never never clearly says how much time it was from Eve's creation to the time the devil convinced her to take the fruit. So they could have lived there for hundreds of years. Because back in the Garden of Eden, everything was like it is going to be in the end, but more of a garden... And not a city. If that makes sense. Um, so. With that being said. Everything. Before the land was cursed. It was almost as if everything. Was. Lifeless. But full of life. Meaning it never died. Everything was immortal. Like, I don't... Like, back then, I don't even think they ate meat. No, the, no, they didn't. They didn't eat meat because meat didn't become... Come around to, like, later on in Genesis. Maybe even Exodus. I don't remember. I know it talked about eating meat in the Passover. Which is in Exodus. Um... Ah, here it is. It's in chapter 3 of Genesis. And it basically, right after, um, it talks about the devil coming in like a serpent. doesn't actually say, it calls him a serpent. But I think it's more of, not a sense of like a snake, but like a very sneaky, very sly. You know, coming in to, to deceit and lie and kill and steal and destroy. Because it says... But this is right after the devil convinces her to take the fruit and that he she won't die from eating the fruit, but simply gain the knowledge that God has. So it becomes a lust in her mind. And it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and, the, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. Now let's just stop right there, because that's really all I needed to read from that. To say this point, I believe the fruit was not an actual fruit, but instead it was a act. And I think it was the act of intercourse between the man and wife. Because when it talks about Cain being born, being the firstborn, 
it talks about Cain was the son of the evil one. I believe the devil convinced her through the act first, showed her what to do, and then she took it back to Adam. Adam liked the idea, so he done it, and then they were both naked. They realized they were both naked. And then and then that produced their first son. It's long story. Long story. The whole Bible is full of wild and crazy stories that just need to be read. There, there's everything from PG to rated R, 17 and mature, if you want to read the book of Solomon. Um, that's, I mean, Solomon is... Song of Solomon is practically biblical Fifty Shades of Grey. Very, it's like a Harlan romance novel in the Bible. So, but that's all I've got for today. Uh, let's just say a quick prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this long and very wavy, as far as information goes, uh, spiritual chapter. Lord, we thank you for doing what you did back in all those days and leading the disciples because if if not for the, them being disciples, they would not have become apostles to teach your word. Lord, we also thank you for doing what you did and dying on, on the cross, So, but only to defeat death three days later and rise up to show him who was actually boss. Lord, we thank you for the ability to teach the right words that come out of my mouth, that they be from you, not me. And then, Lord, we ask that you keep everybody listening to this safe this week and let them have good weeks and prosper and peace and all that other good stuff. Lord, I thank you for all this and, and ask you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, like I said, that's all for today. I uh, appreciate y'all listening on this extra long episode. Hope I didn't bore too many of you. Um, don't really see how, considering how many different conversations I've had or different topics I had in like a five-minute span. But, you know, I know some people can get still get kind of distracted from that, I guess. But, like I said, I hope you, hope you like this. Uh, share this with your friends, family. Anybody that you feel needs a little bit more God or Jesus in their life. Because that's, that's, if we have nothing, but we have Jesus, then we've got everything. Because Jesus has a promise at the end of it. All this stuff on the earth, there's not a thing on this earth that won't deteriorate. But... Jesus is eternal. He has a point at the end. And that we that follow him will get that point. Nobody else will. And it's a sad day for them. But thank you for watching. God bless y'all. And see ya. Well, tune in Wednesday nights now.